If you were able to walk into a room confident that you would be well-received, seen, heard, and appreciated by others, and all it took was a few changes in how you navigate your everyday relationships, would you be willing to make those changes? It is possible to be both fully authentic and to experience the best relationships of your life. Now, here's the host of Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert, Mickey Gaffin-Stone. Hello and welcome everyone. Um, to those who are listening live, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. And to those who are listening to the recording later, you are tuning in to Mickey Gaffin-Stone. I'm your host of Navigating Complicated Relationships here on the Inspired Choices Network. Today's episode is all about better boundaries for better relationships. But before I get into that, I'd like to introduce myself to you and just sort of give you an idea of who I am, where I'm coming from. So I have a background of a lot of travel, a lot of different sort of studies and experience, and I'm a board certified behavior analyst. Plus, I use human design as a foundation for pretty much all of my work because it's just that good. So are your relationships at home or at work a struggle? Do you find that people are crossing the line in their interactions with you? Do they ignore it when you say no to something? Do they pay attention when you're asking them to you know, listen to you? Does it feel a lot like whistling in the wind for all the notice they seem to take? If you're feeling an indignant yes to some of this, then the chances are really good that you don't actually have any clear boundaries. Your expectations for behavior haven't been established with these same people. The chances are good that you're part of Generation X, or maybe Generation X raised you. You're dealing with someone who is Generation X. Boundaries are hugely important for daily dealings and leading to building better, healthier, and more sustainable relationships with everyone in your environment. So we're going to cover a lot of things in this today. So if you want to get in touch with me later, you can check out my website, gaffinstone.com, or send me an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. So let's get into the subject. Do you have a definition for boundaries? Because I'm going to ask you to make a note of how you perceive them to be, what you think they look like, and what you think other people sort of respond to. You know, like basically just give me your definition, write it all down for me and write it all down for you because it's going to change by the end of this discussion, I would say. So in today's episode, you're going to discover what effective boundaries look like, how to set and maintain them, and I'll show you how clear boundaries can save you from endless people pleasing. Yeah, that's what I said, endless people pleasing. How many of us do that? And I'll, I'll explain where that came from a bit later on. So write your generation, your, your, uh, your generation, your definition down. And I'm going to go into the Generation X piece for a minute. So if you are Generation X, you already know this, but you were raised kind of feral, right? You, you got your door key, you got yourself breakfast, you got to school, you got home. And the, the only real instructions were do your homework, don't burn the house down. So 
there were expectations for what you got done during the day. There were expectations for how you showed up. But the chances are very good that you weren't given any how-tos. You weren't given the instructions. And you certainly weren't given any boundaries. Now, I'm not down on boomers, okay? Let me make that really clear. Because boomers, their parents were coming from a place of depression, war, you know, all, all kinds of terrible things. They experienced a lot of lack. So boundaries probably weren't very high on their list of things to do. So we have a few generations now where boundaries just haven't been properly implemented, properly defined. And the further we get away from them, the more troubles we're having socially. So boundary malfunctions get in the way of just about every relationship you have. And I'll be explaining this in more detail, but have you got your definition written down now? Because we're going into some details here. Now, some people think that defini- you know, the definition of a boundary is when somebody's pushed you too far and you say, right, that's enough. We're not doing that anymore. But that is no chance whatsoever for success because you haven't communicated with them what you will and won't accept. So if you're not clear on what you will and won't accept in any given interaction, then you can't really expect the other person to do any better than that. I have worked with a family where the dad wants to be the buddy of the child. You know, he he wants to be pals. He wants to hang out. But the thing is, the little guy is still learning what is and isn't okay. And so he, of course, pushes and pushes and pushes. And at some point he'll cross the line. And then they go into a familiar loop of parent gets annoyed, child pushes more buttons, they end up in a big argument and somebody has to have a timeout, perhaps even both of them. And what happened in that scenario is there were no boundaries set. There was no expressed, clearly defined expectation and there were no consequences expressed for crossing that boundary. Now, consequences are an interesting thing. A lot of people confuse consequences and punishment, and those two things are very, very different, or they can be. Punishment is something that reduces the future occurrence of a behavior, and it's not necessarily the intent of what you do. For example, if you're giving a child praise and that child doesn't like praise, some kids don't, then you're actually putting them off doing that behavior again. It is in effect punishment. So punishments are not about the intent, they're about the effect. It stops the behavior from happening again. Now, you might want that, but consequences are more closely tied to the behavior, to the boundary crossing that just occurred. And if you have expressed already what that consequence is gonna be, then you all understand, right? So if you stub your toe on a concrete post and the result of that is you're going to pay more attention next time you're walking down the road and maybe not look at your phone, but watch where you're walking. So that natural consequence was a direct result of the behavior 
And it established that clear line of, yeah, I'm not going to walk into posts anymore because I'm going to watch where I'm going. So I hope you're keeping up with this so far. If you're in the chat, I would love to know what you think about this, what questions you have, and what your experiences are with boundaries yourself. For example, I know some people who, when their lines are crossed, whether they've expressed them or not, if those lines are crossed, they don't really know what to do with that. And so they walk away or they withdraw because they haven't sorted out what the consequences are. And what are the consequences when somebody does respect your boundaries? Have you thought of it from that perspective? A lack of boundaries in any relationship is a problem because you don't have a definition of where you are and where that person begins. So if you don't know where your personal space is, they won't know where theirs is in relation to you and things get very confusing. Now, boundaries also help kids tremendously. I've come across a lot of parents that don't like to set boundaries because they think it's harsh and it's very rule bound and they just don't like it. I suspect that when they say it's harsh, what they actually mean is they're not comfortable with it because they haven't practiced. They haven't experienced it themselves. But when a child knows their boundaries, when they know what the rules are and how they can you know, be flexible within them, then they get a sense of safety because it's like having walls around you. If you're in a storm, you want to be in a building with solid walls, maybe even in the basement with solid walls, but you, you want to know that you're protected. And that's what boundaries do in relationships as well. So for kids, they have a sense of safety. They know where they are. And if those boundaries are held, and this is a huge piece coming up later, but if those boundaries are held firmly, then that child feels more and more secure. And when a child is secure, they can go and explore more. They can learn more because they don't have to spend their time testing those boundaries. And that leads me very nicely to how kids do test boundaries. Why, when you've said, hey, this is what you can do and this is you can't do these things and so on and so forth, why do they then go and push the buttons? Why are they prodding those boundaries? Well, the reason is because they want to know that they're real. They want to know that they can be safe within those boundaries and, and that they really are secure there so that once they've established that, they can go and explore. And if they're sort of exploring and then they, they suddenly something has them feel a little uncomfortable or concerned, they might run back and sort of prod those boundaries again to make sure they're still there. What happens when I do this? Is it still here? And it's really, really important that those boundaries are still there. Because every time you move the boundaries, you end up with a bigger and bigger problem. It is a snowball that I'm going to explain to you a little bit later. But it's so important to figure out that you're going to keep those boundaries. So what is important to you? I suggest that you look at your values, look at what you will and won't accept personally, what you will and won't accept sort of in, in conjunction with the other person. And really be clear on that with yourself. Because 
if you're not clear on it with yourself, you can't hope to be clear with the other person. And that goes for whether it's a colleague, a child, a partner, any situation at all where you have interactions, there need to be boundaries. They need to be established there so that everybody knows where they stand. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. You know, if you go into a workplace and nobody's actually told you where your desk is or what you need to do when you sit there, then really, what are you, you know, what are you going to do with your time? You might go off and get a coffee and be really nervous that you're, you know, in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. How would you know? Nobody told you what you needed to do. Nobody gave you any parameters or boundaries for that job. So it's it's important in every area, so many places. And I have so much more to tell you about that. But we, are, we do have a break coming up. So after the break, I'm going to get into how the sense of success comes from meeting expectations, which comes from knowing what they are and how you can reduce stress. And we're going to look into some examples of where boundaries are problematic when they're not clear or when they're completely absent, which honestly is happening more and more these days. So I look forward to seeing you after the break. Don't go away anywhere. I'm right here. Jump into the chat if you'd like to ask questions and I'll see you in a minute. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to mickey at gaffinstone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I am Mickey Gaffinstone, and you are listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships on Inspired Choices Network. You can find me at my website. It's my virtual happy space, and that is gaffinstone.com, or you can email me at mickey at gaffinstone.com, and you can find me on social media. Just look up my name, and there I'll be on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. So. Before the break, I mentioned that we now have a few generations, boomers. They really haven't 
had much experience with boundaries. And the further we move on in time, the less experience there is with boundaries. Like we're getting further and further away from it. But a lack of boundaries in any relationship is a problem because if you don't have a definition of where you end and the other person begins, things get muddy in a hurry and, you know, it just cannot go well. Think about it and and think of your own experiences there. So if you do have your boundaries set, let's just jump forward for a moment and assume that you've got these amazing boundaries, you're really clear and you've told the other person, this is what it looks like. This is what I expect. And, you know, this is what happens if those boundaries are crossed, right? You've you've given them this clear instruction manual for how your boundaries look. But what happens then if you just think, oh, well, you know, just this once. I don't don't have to do it just this once, right? Because maintaining boundaries can feel like a lot of work when you haven't done it before. It's a new skill. And it's it's something that people talk about, but they don't actually have that definition. So I hope you're working on yours right now on that notepad. So make sure you've got that ready because I'm going to be dropping some gems here and I'm going to tell you about one of my favorite things in behavior analysis. But before we get to that, kids, let's go back to them for a minute. Now, kids learn to people, please very, very early on. And you you might sort of think, well, no, I, I didn't do any of that to my kid. But chances are really, really good that you did. And I'll explain some examples. When your child's little and you go to the mall and you want your kid to sit on Santa's lap for a photo, does the child say, oh, yeah, I'd love to? Or do they, you know, maybe cry and not want to go there? So, When the child is saying no and the parent says, yes, you will, I want that photo, and they sit you down on Santa's lap, your privacy as a child has just been invaded, your personal autonomy has been blown up, and the message you get, even as that little toddler, is your wishes are not important compared to that of an adult. That's the first message. Now imagine there's there's someone I know who their child instinctively didn't like their grandmother. Now, I'm making no judgment on that. When a child has these instincts, that's what they got. Go with it. So when the child would infrequently see this grandparent, they would say, you know, I don't want to hug. I don't want to hug. Now, what do you do with that? And initially, the parent, before working with me, would, of course, make the child give grandma a hug because that's the expectation. You want to look like you're being a good parent. You want to feel like you're being a good parent. And and that means meeting expectations, the expectations of the adult. But again, if you take that child and have them hug the person they don't want to hug or, you know, kiss this person goodbye or something like that, then you are again telling them that their personal space is not that important that what they want to do with their bodies, as in keep them to themselves, is is not a thing. It's not significant. The adult who should be old enough to accept no is, is not able to accept no, so the child has to be inconvenienced at minimal and set on the path to people-pleasing at most, right? And so 
if you think about different examples, think of your own examples from your own childhood where you've had to be in company with somebody that you didn't want to be. You've had to be too close to them and you didn't want to be, but everybody expected this of you. This is something you're learning. It's teaching you where you belong in the world and who has rights over you. This is where people pleasing begins. So if you'd like the answer to what we did so that that didn't keep happening for this child, the plan was work out a game plan for when you see grandma. This is what you're going to say. Parent, this is what you're going to say to back up the child and then have an escape plan. And there was also a sort of signal where the child could squeeze mom's hand a couple of times to let her know he wasn't comfortable because then the child learns they can trust you and they can trust this important adult in their life. So that's a, a whole thing just about kids and parents, adults, not respecting boundary pleaser. If you respect their boundaries, then they turn into someone who knows they can trust their parents. It's a big difference for a relatively small action, don't you think? It's um, you, you might not think that just making your kids say goodbye to grandma when they don't want to is, uh, is such a big deal. So boundaries are also an issue when there's bullying. Obviously, there's boundaries being crossed there. Somebody's getting in someone else's personal space and they have no sort of concrete rules for how far they can go with what they say or what they do. Another example is, uh, oh, by the way, before I move on, bullying in school, work or at home, any of those places. Right. And then when we go out in public, there are women. I'm not going to use the name that everybody uses for them because that's going to offend all the people with that name. But there are, is a certain stereotypical, usually female who, you know, is all over social media for calling the police on people for having a birthday party or, you know, yelling at somebody for taking a seat when they wanted it and this kind of thing. Now, what kind of boundaries does that person have for their own behavior? And, and what do they expect from other people when they're behaving like that? To me, this is a very clear example of when boundaries just got lost. Like, I don't know where they went, but they are not with that person and they are not in that space. There's no rules. It's, it's just a free-for-all at this point. So public behavior is reflecting the lack of boundaries that people generally have for themselves and for the people with them. And that's, you know, isn't that kind of scary? So the more people that we can have set boundaries for themselves and others, I think the knock-on effect will hopefully reach those people in society. So if you can tell other people about boundaries, ask them to listen to this, tell them what you've learned, bring your notes out, all of those things, I would love that. Please do that. Now, when you're setting a boundary, think about what you do want and not what you don't want. If you've listened to these shows before, then you've heard me talk about framing and pre-framing what you want to see happen, how you want things to look. So don't focus on the negative, on, on what you want to avoid, but what do you expect? What are you looking for? And using kids again, because they're really easy to use for examples, um, when you take a child to the grocery store, 
and they start with the whole, I want candy. Parent says, no, you know, I think every parent's done this at some point. And the child really wants candy and they've got all day for this, right? They have a thing they want and they've got all day to try and set any. They, they can test it. So child starts to whine. Maybe they have a tantrum. And now the judgmental looks start from the people around you, right? And the, the audible tut tut and maybe some comments and, and so on and so forth. So you're now feeling like you're not, <laughs> you'd like to be anywhere other than where you are. And you're not a particularly effective parent in that moment. All these feelings sort of come crashing in. So you just want it to stop. Okay, kid, here, have the candy. Don't do this to me again. Don't ask this again. We're going home. I'm not happy with you kind of thing, right? So that whole scenario happens. Now, what the child gets from this is, oh, okay. So next time I want this thing, this is the behavior I do to get it. Now, this is not a conscious thing on the part of the child. They're not intentionally doing it. They're not plotting against you. They're, it's subconscious, but they understand. They have learned from what you've taught them that pushing in that way will get them what they're looking for. So the next time you go to the store and you are full of resolve, doesn't matter who glares at you, you're not giving this kid candy, it's dinner time soon. Okay, so you get to the same place, same sort of scenario, and it sets the child thinking, oh, yeah, candy. Mm, I'd love some of that. So they start. They go very quickly through the whining to the tantrum because, you know, the whining didn't work last time. So they move forward quickly and they get to that place where last time you gave in. But this time you have resolve. OK, this time you're ready. So the child's like, oh, that's not working now. Huh. OK, I'll up the ante. So then they start you know, emptying the shelves or kicking the old lady in front of you or something. They escalate and they're pushing it because they want to see, well, where is this new wall? Where is this new boundary? The place where it was before is not there. So they try really hard to find it and they push and they push and they push. And at some point, you're either going to get out of the store, excuse me, <clears throat> you're either going to get out of the store with a dispute going on between you with a child with candy and a really upset parent, or you're just going to leave the shopping cart and go, you know, depends on where you are, but it doesn't end well, is the point. And if you do give in and give the candy, you just moved the bar, you just moved the barrier. So what happens next time you go to the store? Well, you now have a new line in the sand for this child to go to. So chances are their behavior is just going to increase every time you go to the store until something dire happens or you start leaving the child at home with another parent or an older sibling or something and, and they don't go with you anymore. So that whole situation blew up from a lack of boundaries. Now we have a break coming up soon, not just yet, but soon. After the break though, I'm going to explain to you exactly what's happening with that behavior when you move the line, because this is so important and it's going to make so much sense to you when you see, aha, okay, this is why this is such a strong reinforcement, actually, for people's behavior. Now, reinforcement and reward are two different things, and I'm going to explain that to you as well. 
Meanwhile, how's your definition going? What have you got written down on your notes? And what kind of things do you want to see in the boundaries that you have with people? Is it the way they talk to you? You know, here's an example that's going to put me out there for ooh, shocking parent of the week. But when my eldest son was a teenager, he wanted to use some language that not everybody liked. I told him he could, so long as it was in front of me or his friends, but no other adults. And he was able to keep to that. I knew what he was doing and he kept his behavior appropriate where it needed to be. So I was happy with that in our household. He didn't swear in front of his dad either because he wouldn't have liked it. But I gave him space to be who he wanted to be and parameters for where that wouldn't work. That's a boundary. After the break, we will go into more on what that looks like and why it's so important. Thank you so much for being here on the Inspired Choices Network, listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships. Boy, is this complicated. I will see you after the break. Don't go away. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so glad you're still located relationships. And today we're talking about building better boundaries for better relationships. Now, you can find me on my website, gaffinstone.com. You can find me on social media and you can email me at mickey at gaffinstone.com. And I would love you to do that. I also have an email list. So please do sign up for that. You can sign up from my website. You can find it on my social media and I, I enjoy doing the emails. I send one a week and they're just kind of short and fun. So if you want to sign up for that, please do. And coming up in my business soon is a little program. I say little because I don't want to make it too big to many people. But should we say a comfortable program for parents to do a group coaching situation where they bring their questions and we do questions and answers and can develop together this community of parents supporting parents. So if you're interested in that, 
drop me an email, let me know, and we'll have a talk about what that can look like for you. Okay, so on with maintaining boundaries, building boundaries, and what those look like. Before the break, we were talking about what that it means for children and how important it is. Because you and right before the break, I was talking about kids in stores and how every time you move that line for how far they can go before you give in, and you're trying your best, okay? Nobody's criticizing you for this. We, we all go there. But every time you move, move those boundaries, that behavior gets stronger. Now, in behavior analysis, you ready for this? I'm going to give you the term. It's indiscriminable contingencies. I'll say it once more, and you try that for a tongue twister. Indiscriminable contingencies. And what that means in English is it's a reinforcement that's coming, something high quality that you really want, but you don't know how much of it and you don't know when. And to give you an example that make this crystal clear, I think, gamblers, they can sit at a slot machine, for example, for like eight hours in a stuffy room with way too much people, tons of noise, you know, stale air, and they're just sitting there pressing a button. And this machine kind of whirs and clicks in front of them. And they can do this for hours. Now, how on earth do casinos get people to do that? And the answer is indiscriminable contingencies. And what that means is when you're sitting there pressing the button on that slot machine, every now and then you'll get something back. It might be a little bit of money. It might be a decent chunk. You might get a few hundred. You might then get $10. But it's happening at different intervals. You have no idea when this is coming next. So you're just sort of, okay, I know there's going to be something big coming soon. It's, yep, yep, I'm going to get the jackpot. Okay, it's coming. And you keep doing the behavior that's going to get you that result. You know it's coming. You're convinced it's coming. And that is the strongest reinforcement you can have. It reinforces behaviors you want to see. And it reinforces behaviors you don't want to see, like the kid tantruming in the store. This is why boundaries are so important, because that moving line is something that you can't catch a hold of. But you can be absolutely sure that there's a reward coming at some point. So you're going to keep doing that behavior. This works for someone in the chat said, I learned that in dog training. It's true. Applied behavior analysis works for animals just as well as it works for humans. In fact, cats use it on humans all the time. You know, they, they train us to give them treats when they want them. And they train us anyway. That's all of the subject. But cats have got the uh, the training of applied behavior analysis down. So that kind of took me off on a line there. So when you're looking at Reward and reinforcement. This is something else I wanted to define for you because people tend to get that confused too. Now, a reward is something you get when you do a thing for a person. So, for example, if I, if, if your child washes the dishes, you give them their iPad to play on or something. You know, you, it's, it's a reward for an action that they've done. Pure and simple, it's a transaction. Now, if it's something that you want to see repeated, you want that behavior to keep going on, then you let that person know, or that dog, know that you liked that. 
and you give them something that they really appreciate, they really like, to confirm that for them. And they associate, and this is the key part, they associate that good thing with the behavior. And sometimes it can mean taking something away as well. For example, when I was at school, a really, really high reinforcement for me would be if you said I didn't have to do math homework. <clears throat> I'd be gleeful. You could get me to do pretty much any behavior all day long, as long as I didn't have to do math homework. That is reinforcing, even though you took it away. So that's the definition, right? A reward is a transaction. Reinforcement is something that encourages you to do that thing more. That's the simplest definition I can give you. So when you're setting your boundaries, what is the consequence and how do you reinforce people maintaining those boundaries? So if your child went to the store with you and they did everything right because you'd set clear expectations with them and you had your boundaries, you had the behavior set up for what was going to happen if they didn't respect the boundary, you know, okay, so what do you do then? Just sort of going home and saying, oh, yeah, we had a good trip to the store. That was fine. You know, that's not reinforcing particularly. So can you do something with that child? Do they do they like praise? Do they like a trip to the park? You know, what, what are you going to do? Think of that part, too, because consequences can be reinforcing of what you like and they can also like it now. Another area I'd like to bring in, because you know I love to do this, human design. Now, human design, you, you can infuse your human design into those boundaries when you're setting them. Isn't that cool? For example, if you're a projector, projectors need to be invited into situations, even into relationships, right? And within that relationship, the projector still needs to be invited to things. So that projector is not at the mercy of whatever the other person wants to do, not at all. They can set their expectations and they can sort of let it be known what they, they like and they don't like so much. So, for example, if you're going to be invited to dinner or if you anticipate that you are, and you really don't like fast food. Well, if you don't want to end up at one of those places, it's a really good idea as a projector to let people know how much you enjoy fine dining. And that, you know, that would be helpful. You can even say that I don't eat at fast food places because I value my health. That's a pretty strong statement, but you could do it. No reason why not. You're establishing what you will and won't have. Now, a reflector is 1% of the population and the reflector has so much going on. They absorb everybody's energy. It's got to be exhausting for a reflector and it's also really important that that reflector is clear on who is allowed in their environment and who isn't and that when they find someone is shall we say not a positive influence or you know has issues that are difficult for the reflector to handle then they need to get themselves away from that person or get that person away from them Setting boundaries, setting expectations is one very clear way of doing that. And it also helps the individual to keep their own lines. You know, will I put up with this behavior? Will, do I like this behavior? You know, these are questions that are important to answer. Again, if you don't know, 
How can you expect the other person to maintain your boundaries? You don't really have them. So being clear on that is important. And for a reflector, extra important. You really need to know what you will and won't have in your environment and for how long. And you need to guard your personal space sort of at night before a reflector goes to bed, for example, they need to offload all the energy that they've absorbed time. That's going to be a problem. So there could be a boundary set there, for example. Um, generators. Generators. Ah, yes. 70% <laughs> of the world's population leaps into the fray way too quickly. Generators respond to opportunities and they don't tend to do well at waiting. So guess what? The first thing is you have to practice as a generator. Patience, waiting, and not jumping in too soon because you could be jumping in to a pit instead of a pool. So you need to be careful what, what you're doing. And you can't be careful if you're jumping too fast. So setting boundaries again for how long you're going to take to make a decision, for example, or, you know, you can have a hard and fast rule, aka boundary, on how far somebody can push you on a thing. So I'm thinking right now things like sales calls, right? Sometimes you'll get on a sales call with someone or they're talking to you, trying to sell you a thing and they're giving you the push, right? Like, okay, so you really have to decide today or it's gone. And if you don't decide right now and push, push, push. But if that's not in your human design to answer that quickly, and here's a clue, it generally isn't, then set yourself a boundary for you that you maintain with them and say, okay, I typically take three days to make a decision like this. I'll get back to you later. And if it's not going to be there, then it's obviously not for me. You know, and this is something you can practice. You can set that in place, be used to it for yourself, because that's going to help you in that relationship moving forward. If you do move forward with that person, you're going to be on a much better footing. And if you choose not to, then that's awesome. You just you just dodged something, right? You don't want to buy something or buy into something and then discover that that was a big, big, big mistake, right? Manifestors, okay, manifestors, bless them, have very big energy and they're very fast and they're here to change things. They're here to make big things happen. Manifestors tend to forget to tell people that though. So in a relationship with a manifestor, the other person, whatever their design is, needs to establish a very clear rule or boundary that this person, before they run off to do a new thing or change direction or quit their job or whatever they're going to do, they tell the important people in their life what they're doing. It's not the same as asking permission. So any manifestors listening, please don't be upset. I'm not saying you have to ask permission. I'm saying you need to let people know. Otherwise, they feel that they've been abandoned, ignored, left behind. You know, they break, make all kinds of stories about that. And, you know, human beings don't leave a void, right? If you've run off to do something and you've left that gap of information, people will fill it. And humans are naturally inclined to fill those kind of voids with negative things. So save yourself a world of hurt if you're a manifester and tell the other people in your life, what you're doing. Make that a practice. And we're going to go to another break right now. 
but I will see you back shortly. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships on Inspired Choices Network. I will see you in a minute. What if your relationships could be a source of delight instead of a source of struggle? In a world where human interactions are anything but straightforward, tuning in to Navigating Complicated Relationships with behavior expert Mickey Gaffin-Stone will offer you insights, tools, and a whole new level of understanding for you to use right now. Listen for Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Navigating Complicated Relationships with Mickey Gaffin-Stone. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Mickey at GaffinStone.com. Now back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. This is Mickey Gaffinstone on the Inspired Choices Network, and you're listening to Navigating Complicated Relationships. Next week, we're going to be talking about anxious parents, anxious kids. Those two things absolutely go together. How could they not? That will be next week's topic. But this week, we're discussing building better boundaries or building boundaries at all. And before the break, we were talking about how setting boundaries and expectations helps everyone to keep their lines around behaviors, to keep things in order so that you're in your space, they're in their space, everybody knows what's expected. Things can run a lot more smoothly. So we're going to recap a little bit because I want to know how you're doing now with your definition versus what you've been learning today. I'd love for you to send me some comments on that too. And you can comment in the chat room or you can send it to me on Facebook. You can comment on the podcast later, anything you'd like. Recap there. Gen X is giving it their best, right? Gen X was not given boundaries typically and really don't have much of a notepad to work with. There's, there's not a lot of experience in boundaries. There was a lot of mess around and find out, but there's a lot of boundaries. Those two things are not the same because it varies person to person and there's no sort of roadmap for that. So if you are a Gen Xer, then, you know, don't, don't take it too badly because this is just, it's, you know, it's what you grew up with and you're now learning a new tool and it's going to help you in your relationships with your own parents and with your kids and even their kids, like generation to generation, holy smokes. Now, these days we have an extra place to set boundaries in, don't we? Social media. And boy, is everybody messing around with that. I mean, it's a whole lot of truth, lies, and wishful thinking. I mean, and how do you know which is which? The, and now we have AI coming in. You don't even know if the pictures you're looking at are true. They could be staged before, but now they, they can be completely fictional and, and you have no idea. I see all kinds of things out there. So where are the boundaries for social media? Frankly, there aren't any. So what boundaries are you going to set around your interactions? with social media? How can you help your children 
navigate that safely, as safely as possible. It's getting harder and harder, but it's something that needs to be really examined. What do you want from your interactions with social media? What are you prepared to deal with? And do you have a response in place when that crosses? So, for example, I get people jumping into my messenger sometimes, and some of those messages are a little weird. And so I have a a set thing for that. You know, I politely ask them to stop. And if I get another message like that, they are deleted and blocked because I don't have bandwidth for that. That's beyond my boundaries. I'm not accepting it. But I do give them the opportunity to stop being silly. So usually. Um, so that's that's sort of how I operate there. But what, what do your kids learn? How are they learning to navigate what is true and what isn't? Critical thinking is the cousin to setting boundaries. You have to be able to consider what you're looking at from a, a different perspective, from a variety of perspectives. And unfortunately, I don't think, which is a pity, because now we need it more than ever. So if you're good at critical thinking, perhaps you could be teaching it to your kids. If you're not in the habit of using critical thinking, maybe start working on it. You know, find a place where you can practice with other people, examining things from different perspectives. Google different sources, read books on the different sources, you know, really sort of open up your questioning to what you see so that you can define how you're going to interact with that. That's basically what boundaries are. It's the definition of you, your space, your expectations for how people deal with you and how you are going to deal with them. It's not a one-way street. It's also how are you going to show up with that other person? An example in my business of boundaries is when I have an appointment with someone, you know, clients coming for coaching, I will wait 10 minutes. Now, if they're more than 10 minutes late and haven't contacted me to say they're going to be late, then I assume they're not coming and I I leave the call and I get on with other things in my day. So that's a boundary that I have set. And I let people know that when they start working with me, that this is how it's going to go. And I show up on time. So my expectations for this interaction is I will show up on time and I'll be there 100% to work with you. I'll give you my full attention. And I expect that person to show up on time 100% and that they are going to give me their attention. And together, we're going to move forward in this amazing coaching journey and get some breakthroughs. Now, can you see how if you don't show up, if you're not fully on board with this, it it doesn't work right. You can't get the full value out of what you're doing if you don't meet that expectation. So that boundary is set not as a, a sort of harshness, but it's actually set to help that client and to help me continue with my day. I have a lot going on. And I don't have time to sit there staring at a blank screen. So that particular boundary works for all of us. Now, what kind of boundaries do youth have or that you could think of that you can start putting in place? Take your time. If you're not typically used to using boundaries, an awful lot of people aren't, then don't rush a day or two. But really spend some time. Think about what you want. 
to see how you would like that interaction to go. So using the child example in the store, before you go to the store, you tell the child what's happening, what you expect them to do, what you're going to do. You know, you lay out the whole scenario for how that scene is going to go. And then these are the expectations. They know what you expect of them. And you can cover the subject of to have candy or not to have candy and explain to them how that's going to go. Then you've set the expectations rather than just hoping your child behaves themselves. So this is the kind of thing. Spend some time looking at what you want to see and how you anticipate that going and what the consequences are, good or otherwise. And don't confuse consequences and punishment. Consequences can be great. You know, they can be really good fun. So I invite you to spend some time working on this. Please get back to me and let me know how it goes. Shoot me a message in Messenger. I'll, I'll listen to you if you're talking about boundaries. Um, you can send me an email at mickey at gaffinstone.com. And you can contact me through my website. Have a look around on my website. It's my virtual happy space. I enjoy it there. There's lots of freebies too. So go checking out resources and free eBooks and all sorts. Have a look. And I look forward to seeing you again next week when we talk about anxious parents, anxious kids. If you have any questions for that in the meantime, please let me know. I love answering questions. I like to make it relevant for everybody that's listening. Thank you so much for coming today. And I will talk to you soon. I'm just going to check the chat before we head off and see if there's anything else anybody's asked me today. So I think we've got people who are ready to make it happen. So let's go. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Mickey returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections. Thank you for listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Mickey returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections. listening to the Navigating Complicated Relationship Show. Mickey returns Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then, remember every relationship is a journey. And with the right tools, you can create stronger, more fulfilling connections.